Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Grab a seat, grab a seat. If you have a Bible, jump to the book of Joshua. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me before we jump in. My name is Kevin Barra. I'm the college pastor here at Grace Southwood. And yeah, this is, yeah, it is so much fun to be here. And, and I'm so excited about this new place that we get to be and a new opportunity to worship God here and hopefully grow deeply in our love of him and his word. You good with that? All right, let me read a little bit for you and then we will jump in. Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one, it says this. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have success wherever you go. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and this great opportunity to, to jump into a new semester, to to meet friends, to meet community, but more importantly, to draw near to your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide our hearts and minds this morning as we dig into this story and as you are guiding our story. So in your name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome back, Aggies. Oh my gosh, class of 2019, you here? Yeah, you are. Class of 2020? Class of 2021? And class of 2022, did you make it out here? Come on, come on, come on. I am so excited. Are you excited for this year? You ready for football season? It's going to be so good. I love new beginnings. And this is a new beginning. And a new beginning, every new beginning becomes with some endings. There are some things that, that you have to leave in the back when you enter into a new beginning. When, when new beginnings start, endings always come. I have kids that just started school, and I remember when they started their first day of kindergarten. Like those days, and you remember this, when you just stayed at home with mom and watched cartoons until from sunrise to sunset, you know, you just, just those days came to an end when you first went to school, but, but you had a new opportunity, Right? Those days came to an end, but then you were able to get new friends, hang out with new people. It was an exciting new entrance, new, new entrance into a new world. Not only that, uh, when you got your driver's license. I mean, the days of you bumming a ride from your friends, of going, hey, can you pick me up, mom? Mom, can you pick me up? Just ended, right? And you were hopefully able to go out on a date without parents driving you. You know, like that was like this new step forward. I can pay, take a girl somewhere, maybe. <laughs> 
Or you have the hopes of maybe one day, you know, you have the option now, right? Gone are the days in college. One of the things I love about college is the lunchroom is gone, right? Like that, that terrifying, yeah, yeah. That terrifying moment when you're walking through the lunchroom and go, where am I going to sit? All of those things are gone because you can literally eat wherever you want. I love it. The other thing, freshman, you're going to learn this really quick. You, you probably have the first day of school outfit like in mind, right? You're like, I'm going to wear this outfit on this first day so my professors think I'm amazing, right? You got this outfit in mind. But seniors, you're laughing because like you're like, <laughs> you're like by the time you reach our stage, like standard issue attire is t-shirt and basketball shorts for most dudes. And then, yeah. <laughs> And it's just this standard prayer. You're like, are you going to dress up? Yeah, T-shirt, basketball shorts. I got it. Got it covered. But with every new beginning, there also comes some endings. And some of those endings are actually a little bit more terrifying. For some of you freshmen, you're coming in, and that first cold day of, of fall is going to come. And you are, you've already brought your letter jacket with all of your patches. And you're excited. <laughs> about wearing that on that first cold day. Well, let those hisses warn you, right? <laughs> those days of high school have ended and no one cares about your district championship 20, whatever, nine, nine, whatever, 20 something, you know? Like, unfortunately, all those were, those were great accolades in this new realm, that came to a quick end. And seniors, if you haven't experienced it yet, uh, you, you'll, you'll experience it soon. When, when you're coming from high school to college, it's always about, hey, where are you going to go to college? Like, oh, that's so exciting, you're going to go to college. And, and now at this, this stage in the game, that question has ended. The new question is, is what? What's your major? <laughs> what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, and, and it's a different question. Some of you want to go back. I, I want that other question. Like, where am I going to college? I'm at A&M. But what are you going to do? I, I, haven't, I haven't fathomed that one yet. Because every new beginning comes with endings. And I'll tell you what, you are writing a story of life. For some of you, this may feel like a new chapter of life. For others of you, coming to college literally feels like a new book of life, a new start, a new story that you are writing for your life. And the question is, what type of story are you writing for your life? What do you want to be true of your, of your chapters as you walk through your life? And I'll tell you what, the story that you write is so significant because the voices that speak into your story shape what you ultimately believe. And Joshua, the reason I'm starting there is because Joshua's entering into a new chapter, but really a new story of his life. He's going to be leading God's people into the promised land. This is an amazing new journey that Joshua is leading the people of Israel on. And there's a refrain that God wants him to have in his mind. I want you to be strong, Joshua. And I want you to be courageous. I want you to be strong, meaning I want you to grip the right things. I want you to have a, a grip of strength on the things that matter most. And I want you to be courageous, Joshua. I want you to be brave, As you enter this new story into this new land, I want you to grip the right things and I want you to be brave on the things that matter most, Joshua. I want you to be strong and courageous. And the truth is this, that's what I want for your story. I want you to be people that grip the right things and that are courageous in toward the right things of God. But there's a process to get there. And there's really a path that God leads Joshua on. And there's three pieces I want to give you to to have a strong and courageous story. And the first thing we see from this text is this, is that you first need to embrace a new start. 
Read with me again in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. The first thing that we have to see is this. We respect the past. We respect the past when we begin a new start. What God tells Joshua is this, that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, who is Moses? Well, if you're not familiar with Moses, he was, he's pretty much the biggest hero of the Old Testament. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses would literally speak to God face-to-face as a man would his friend. Moses went on Mount Sinai, got the, the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. He was the greatest hero of the nation of Israel. In fact, Joshua was his assistant. He was his, he was his boy, and it says this in Exodus about their relationship. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his own friend. How amazing is that? How amazing would it be to speak to God like you speak to a friend? Moses had those moments. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. See, there was this tent of meeting that God would, would come to, uh, overshadowed with a cloud. And Moses would meet with God. And when Moses departed to go talk to the people, Joshua didn't want to leave the tent. He says, I want to stay right here close to the presence of God. And this man, Moses, could not carry the people into the promised land. He had disobeyed God. And so one of the punishments for disobeying God was that he was no longer able to lead the people into this new place. Joshua was going to have to take the reins. It was Joshua that was going to lead close to a million people into the promised land. Now think about this for a moment. If you've been the assistant and suddenly you have to lead over a million people into a new land, how would you feel about that level of responsibility? You're like, Kevin, I don't even know how to pay my bills now that I live in a house, right? How do I get cable? Can I get Netflix on here? Like, like uh, what, 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 how do I navigate life? And, and, and Joshua is going to lead a million people into this new place. And Moses knows he's afraid. In Deuteronomy, to prep Moses, he says this. Moses summoned, all, summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that God has sworn to their fathers to give to them. And you shall put them to have possession of it. Moses is telling Joshua, you you need to have strength, the grip and courage, bravery on the right things. He tells him again in the same passage, and the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you, Joshua. This is a big responsibility, but I want you to have strength and courage in this story. And what's fascinating is that the beginning of this section is this. He says, I want you to embrace your new start. I want you to have strength and courage as you begin this new start. I want you to know your history, but I want you to move forward into the future. I want you to know your past, but I want you to move forward into the story that God is writing. Do you know the story God is writing? See, what Joshua has to realize is that he doesn't need to come up with his own story. He doesn't need to come up with his his own idea of what's right and wrong or what his purpose is in life. He 
He simply needs to align himself with the story that God has been weaving through history and move forward with his next responsibility. But listen, our culture does not want you to believe in one narrative arc of history. In fact, our culture, our day and age is telling you to make your own story. Stephen Jay Gould, a, um, an atheist uh, scientist, writes this. We are here because one odd group of fishes had a peculiar fin anatomy that could transform into legs for terrestrial creatures. Because comets struck the earth and wiped out dinosaurs, thereby giving mammals a chance not otherwise available. You may yearn for a higher answer, but none exists. This explanation, though superficially troubling, if not terrifying, is ultimately liberating and exhilarating. We cannot read the meaning of our life passively into the facts of nature. We must construct these answers for ourselves. You see what he's saying? What Stephen Jay Gould is saying is this. You have to write your own story. You have to make sense of your own life. There is no meaning in life. There is no grand arc. But you can make it up for yourself. And ultimately, that will fail for you. There is no story that 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 storyline plays into. There is ultimately no meaning. Neil Postman writes it this way. He says, in the end, science does not provide the answers most of us require. Its story of our origins and in, to say the least, is at least, to say, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it all begin? Science answers, probably by an accident. To the question of how will it all end? Science answers, probably by an accident. And to many, the accidental life is not worth living. See, you were not designed to be here by accident. You are here by divine purpose and divine appointment. There is a new start, but in order to get in that new start, you've got to embrace this new story. And there's voices that are telling you promises. This is what you need to believe in. This is what you need to hold on to. And, and the truth is this. I want to give it to you. That God is writing a great story and he has great promises as part of that story. But you have to answer for yourself. Will I let the word of God direct my life or the opinions of people? Will I let the word of God determine the direction of my life or will I let the opinions of people? See, this story requires you to enter by making a new start. But secondly, it requires you to receive some new promises to listen to the voice of God. And the truth is this, you're here at A&M for a reason, for a hope. There are promises you're believing in. In fact, there's a story um, or an article by Pew Research and it writes it this way. It it says um, that they were asking what are the benefits of a college degree? And they said 25% say the purpose of a college degree is education. There's another 34% that said, no, no, the main purpose of a college degree is exposure to new ideas. And then 41% said, no, 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 okay, the purpose of an education, the reason we're all here is for this, to get a better job and a higher income. And I would say for most of us, although we, we like the idea of, of, you know, that other education, right, those, those organizations we're a part of, all those different things, what we ultimately want at the end of our time in college is, is a job. We are banking on that Aggie network, right? <laughs> yes, to, to secure me financial viability, you know, in the future. Like we're, we're wanting, we're believing, we're banking on these promises to, 
to give us security in the future. There are some promises that you are believing in. And I'll tell you what, these words are powerful. Promises that people speak are powerful. You will make decisions of your future and of your life based on the promises, the words that people speak. Simple words like, I love you. That'll change things for you. Other words like, I hate you. That will change things for you. (laughs) Some of you gone out for organizations already. The simple statement, you're accepted. Other statements, you're denied. Those words are powerful to us. Those those weigh deeply on us. And those words help, help us make decisions, but they shape the direction we ultimately take. Those words are powerful. And to Joshua, God knows the power of these words. He says, look, Joshua, you're a part of my great story. And I want you to receive the promises I've been promising to people generation after generation after generation. And now I give them to you. Chapter 1, verse 3, here are the promises. He says, listen, Joshua, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you. Just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the great Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is my promise, and this is the great promise that was all the way given back to to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. This is the land that I'm giving to you, and I'm reiterating this promise to you. If you don't know where this land that he's talking about, it's, it's, it's here. It's, you have Egypt in the south, and the nation of Israel is, is right here. It's the small little sliver of land in the Mediterranean. And the promise of God is, is basically this region right here to be divided amongst 12 tribes. He says, this is your future. This is where I want you to live and land, Joshua. Here are the borders. Here are the boundaries. My promise to protect and provide this land for my people, I am going to fulfill in you. What's fascinating, we also have promises as Christians. See, Christians believe at the time of Jesus, when, when Jesus came to earth, he says, he gave them a new, new paradigm of land. I'm going to come back to that. In the time of Jesus, the nation of Israel looked something like this. And there was a great moment in the life of Jesus when he spoke to his disciples. See, he lived a perfect life and, and, and died on a cross. And over the next 40 days, he appears to his disciples and, and he tells them, Hey, look guys, I, I rose from the dead. I'm still here. And they ask him a question in, in Acts chapter 1, verse, verses 8 through 11. And they ask him this question, Hey, Jesus... Is now the time you're going to restore the land to us? Is now the time you're going to come onto earth and, and rule? Are, are you fulfilling the prob- promises that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the way to Joshua? Are you, are you fulfilling this geographical boundary? Is that what this whole thing is about? And Jesus turned to his disciples and says, Look, here are your new promises. Here's where I'm really going. He says, I want you to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem. This small little area of land. And then I want you to move a little bit further out to Samaria, this larger area. And then I want you to go even into to, to Judea. I want you to see these concentric circles of, of your 
influence, your independence. I want you to be my representatives on earth beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea and Samaria, beyond these other bordering nations. And it's not even going to stop there, Josh, boys. It's going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. You know what Jesus wants for us? I don't know if you know this, but the name Joshua in Hebrew is the name Yeshua. In Aramaic, it's where we get our our name, Jesus. Jesus is the new Joshua leading us into the new promised land. He's saying, hey, look, the, the land isn't this small little sliver. You know what my ultimate goal is, men? That the word of God, the gospel of salvation, would start small and reach the world. See, the ground that that was promised to Joshua was a small little sliver in the middle of the Middle East. And Jesus, with his disciples, says, you know what? That was the starting point, but it will end. I want you to spread out and bring my gospel across the world. You know why we're here at Consol? Because we want to bring the gospel further than we could. You know why you're here at College Station at Texas A&M University? You came to this place that you might meet Jesus and God has put you here and he is going to shotgun you out to, to the outer recesses of the world. Some to Dallas and Houston and San Antonio, but others much further to the ends of the earth that you might bring the gospel all the way across the world. The ground isn't just this small sliver of land. It's meant to go further than we could ever imagine. And Joshua says, look, this is your little sliver of land, Joshua. It may feel overwhelming. And when I tell you, college student, that God wants you to reach the world, that might feel a little overwhelming. It does to me. But he says, I want you to grip one last thing, Joshua. This is the source of your strength and your courage. Verses 6 through 9. He says, this is the priority I want you to grab, Joshua. He says, verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. He says, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't don't just speak it to other people, but you shall meditate on it, meaning you chew over it. You, You think about it over and over again, day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Where is his source? Where is his source of strength and courage? The word of God. He says, I want you to be strong and courageous. How? How am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to manufacture it? Am I supposed to create my own ideas? He says, no, no, no. You take the word of God and you soak deeply into it. Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. James says, do not look deeply into the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He says, soak deeply 
the word of God because this word will, will change your life and teach you how to live in this story. See, what we are here, what we're about at Grace Bible Church is the word of God. We want you to know the word of God and sink deeply into the word of God. And this word will shape your future in ways you could never imagine. When I was in college, um, I ran track. And my junior year, I've been training and just so excited about competing at the NCAA championships. If you are an athlete, the, the culmination of college athletics is the NCAA championships. And I was training as a junior, so excited about qualifying, and I did. I ran a race at Stanford and, and made it, qualified, ran the time, and, and right as I crossed the, the, the finish line, I just puke all over the place and then smile, like, ah, I made it. And I continued to train that summer, and, and the cool part is not only did I qualify for the, the NCAA championships, there's a USA championships that I also qualified for, and so I got both with this one race. And, and in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that was the NCAA championships that year, and so we get there. And I remember I, I should have been excited. Like, I, I should have been so pumped that, that, that all of my preparation and all of my planning and all of my work had led to this moment, but I felt completely empty. And so I ran my races, got finished, and, and then a couple weeks later I ran at the USA Trials, and I still couldn't f- get rid of this, this empty feeling that, I was just, that was just weighing on me. And that summer I went and spent some time with uh, my cousins in Colorado in Pagosa Springs. My cousin Brock told me he was describing a run to go out on on this, these dirt roads and these beautiful mountain areas. He says, he says, listen, just stay on the main road. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left because you'll just hit a dead end and, and need to come right back to the main road. So just stay on the main road. And so I start running on this, this dirt road. And I start asking God, God, why do I feel so empty? Like, why do I feel like I, I don't even know where to go in life? Why do I feel so low and and he brought into remembrance my cousin's words. Stay on the main road. You've been going off to the right and chasing these things and the left and chasing these things. Just stay on the road that I set you on. I went back and I, I started digging in even more deeply into the word of God. And three years later, I was at another crossroads of what am I going to do with my life? And this time I was actually training for the um, Olympic trials and and I, I was there uh, in Park City, Utah, through a weird circumstance of events. Um, the Ivy League paid for me to train there. I didn't go to the Ivy League schools, but uh, they paid for me to train in Park City, Utah with a buddy of mine. And we were there in, in a hotel that was way too nice for me. Like, I didn't deserve to be in this hotel. Like, there was a bearskin rug, like, in my room and, like, in the main room. There was a hot tub that a dude was paid twice a day to come check the levels. Like, okay, looking good. I'm like, why am I here? Right? It, was, it was weird. I shouldn't have been there. And earlier that summer, my mentor, a guy named Derek Baker, said, Kevin, I want you to think about coming and doing ministry alongside of me. You've got to raise your own support. And you're going to reach college students. I want you to come along with me. And I said, I like the idea of doing ministry. I do not like the idea of raising support. I will pray about it. Which is a terrible thing to say because God actually, anyway, God answers prayer. So I, that summer, I'm like, I'm like weighing, like, what am I going to do? And, and I decided to put my Bible in a backpack and go hiking up the side of this mountain. And on the side of the mountain in Park City, Utah, I do Russian roulette with my Bible. You know, you just flip it open. God, I need wisdom. You know, like just, 
And I flip it open, I land on this passage in Joshua. And I read it. And when I come to the point of where he says, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, but meditate on my word, and then you will be prosperous, then you will have success. I went, that's in the Bible? (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Like, I'd never read it. And I'm like, it is right here. Oh, my gosh. At that moment, I said, God, I'm going to trust your word. And I'm going to trust the people that you put around me that have been speaking the word to me, that have been directing my life. I'm going to bank my life on your word. You are going to be the center of my story, the center of my life. And I'm not the first person to do that. A little known guy named Billy Graham did the same thing. In the 1950s, he was, he was wrestling with whether or not to believe the word of God was real. And a friend of his name, Chuck Templeton, kept on challenging him on the word of God, saying, hey, it doesn't really, it's not really real. I don't, you're way behind the times, Billy. And he says he went out one day to a tree stump. And he was wrestling so deeply. Do I believe this? Do I bank my life on this? And he says he got on his knees on that tree stump and put his Bible down. He says, God, a great many things in this book I do not understand. I don't know if they're contradictions or I just don't know. But I'm, I'm going to dedicate my life to following you. And I will trust this word as your inspired word. He closed his Bible, got up and walked out. A couple weeks later, he goes and does the LA Crusades in which over 400 people came to faith and it spotlighted his ministry so that he has preached literally to more people than anyone in the world. And it all came from this simple moment in Billy's life when he says, I'm going to believe you at your word, God. I'm not going to try to write my own story. I'm not going to try to to make my own way in this world. I'm going to believe you at your word and I'm going to bank my life on it. And God will not let you down when you do the same. I don't know the threads of your story, but I know God brought you here on purpose. And I know he wants you to meet his son, Jesus Christ, the better Joshua. He leads us into a better salvation. He died the death we deserve to die. He was in, lived in perfect obedience to God and he loves you. He died in your place for your sins that you might have a relationship with God and that you might write a new story alongside him. I pray that you might first meet Jesus. And then as you study all sorts of things this year, all sorts of of professors' exams and papers that you're writing, I pray that you would grab the word of God and you would sink deeply into this word because it will change your life. There are two opportunities for you to sink deeply with us. One is at fall launch. The other is with growth track. My hope is that you will grab one of those, those grips so that we can help you grow deeply this year. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that you, you give us your word. You give us your promises that we might live a life in obedience to you, a faithfulness to you. And that you call us to be part of a great story, a story bigger than than anything that we could write for ourselves. So Lord, I pray that as we 
engage in everything that we have in front of us this year, we would not neglect to engage deeply in your word. So Lord, I pray for these students that you would help them to dive into community centered on the word of God, that you would help them to steal away in, in, in coffee shops and places being deeply reading the word of God because that's where we find meaning in life as we align ourselves with your grand story. I lift up these students to you. I pray for them. Here we pray. Amen. Amen.